Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Anthony Ingram. Welcome to the program. Tonight, my very special guest is Mela Blust. She is incredible, <laughs> and her newest book is Between Her Teeth. So let's see if we can bring Mel on. Mela? We're having some difficulties in terms of the connection, so we'll be right back. is with me. Yes, this is Mila. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Mela. How are you? I'm good. Um, I actually kind of tried to click the link and connect online, and it it said connected, but it just never picked up, so I'm not sure what that's the issue no, is. That's no problem. It happens periodically. Um, you're here with me. Let's begin this poetic yeah. journey, all right? Let's what exactly? What, what, is, what is poetry? Um, I believe that it is communication through art um, or a conversation between the soul and art or maybe the soul and the universe. All right. Tell me a little bit more about your conception of poetry. I want to hear more. Um, I've always sort of had poetry speak through me ever since I was a child. And it actually runs in my family. Um, I am from a family of poets. So I just kind of started writing and sometimes something really amazing would come from that. And it almost felt like I was the vehicle. Um, And then I sort of learned to utilize it as a tool for catharsis, you know, for my own, my own expressions, not just the expression of the universe. So I've really learned that. Or continue, uh, I guess my next question to you, as you think about poetry and all that it can do, why is it important? Why is it important, Mela? You know, um, and it's, it's Mila, by the way. Mila, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, why is anything important? Um, to some people, poetry is not important. And it's, it's funny, you know, when I tell people sometimes that I'm a poet, they laugh. Almost mm. like it's a joke. And you either get it or you don't. And poets get it because they, they're in it. They write it. But in my eyes, it's actually a gift to be able to express um, the darkness, you know, and make it into something beautiful. So I feel like poetry is the storytellers, the truth tellers, um, the caller outers, the seekers. You know, they're the, the modern day bards. They're going around and singing the story or telling the story. And so to some mm. people, it's not important, but I mm. do believe it is very important. Very nice. You know, in my description, I described you as being incredible. And I'm finding out more about you, and I like it. I like it a lot. Please share a point. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay. Um, I don't know if this communicates with some of your other questions. You had asked what some of mm-hmm. the best poems that I had ever written were, and I have them three ready. So if you wanted to hear one of those, I can read one of those. All right. Do you, let's read one of your own first. Oh, uh, it, it was actually the question that said one, one of the three best poems that you've ever written. Okay. So you've, you've, written, so poem you've, written, the poem. <laughs> you've written the poem, right? Oh, yeah, many, many, many poems. Okay. Yeah, just one of your questions what one of the three. Okay, tonight, so don't worry about the questions. Don't worry about the questions because they're not in order. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be many questions. Share a poem. <laughs> Share a poem, please. So this is called Lord, I Am Ready. Mm. Lord, I am ready to be a bird. I have navigated these lows so long with the aching desire to soar. In the low country hills, in the wash of spring, a dead groundhog is splayed on the pavement. His intestines arose out of color on the algid gravel. My tires barely miss him. I issue a prayer in the rearview mirror, as I am certain my mother has done for me over the years, watching me drag the baggage of myself across the verdant hillside of my home. In the rush of city traffic, I shrink to my smallest form, injured peregrine, white belly from months of isolation. I dive into the back roads back towards home. The groundhog, having heard or not heard my prayer, still spills himself as an offering. A red-shouldered hawk perched atop his carcass, trying unsuccessfully to carry him away. And I wonder which one I am more like. The hawk, given brilliant wings, but unable to fly. Or the groundhog, offering his insides to the world and no one able to carry them. Wow. That was beautiful. Tell me about the purpose of that poem. Tell me about the purpose of that poem. What was the purpose? The purpose was to express something in me that was stirred very deeply by seeing this dead animal and this other Mm. desperate, hungry animal trying to to drag it away, and both of them were in a losing game. Wow. Wow. And I felt that, and it was deep, and I couldn't get it out of my mind's eye. It was burned into my mind's eye. I understand. You know, I want to turn the focus just a little bit in terms of what inspired your book. Tell me about Between Her Teeth. I want to know everything. Between Her Teeth is a very stark, realistic um, portraiture of emotions, kind of a reflection of like the wild and the crazy and the moments that not everybody might admit that they're feeling. Not everybody Mm -hmm. might admit that they've seen or done these things. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to put it all on these pages and I'm going to admit to all of it. All right. Chew the fat, they say. Mm -hmm. Mm. If you had to potentially convince a friend or colleague to read your book, what would you share with them? Um, I think I would read them some poems. All right. All right. <laughs> well, read one to me right now. I want to <laughs> share one with me. <laughs> I'm a new friend or colleague. Share one with me. <laughs> okay. So this poem is called Hi. I want to go where the Ferris wheel is and steal the breeze, take it into my lungs like the delighted squeals of a thousand children before me. There's nothing that makes anyone feel more alive than being three stories above the ocean pounding its furious fist against the shore, gulls crying, wind howling. I want to go where there was joy, soak it all up until I'm full, surfboards and tanned arms holding a thousand cigarette smoke secrets, ice cream cone dreams and wave crest wishes. I love it up here. It hurts less than down there. Down there they see the glow in your eyes and it's suspect, but up here... Up here, it's okay to be high. Wow. I could feel that, Mila. I could feel that peace. You know, you write, based on what I've heard so far, there's so much emotion. 
can a person, can a poet be a poet if they don't feel strong emotion? That's my question to you. Um, all out, no. I'm going to have to say no. <laughs> okay, tell me more. Talk to me. I, I just don't believe that unless you're, you know, all these emotions are just brewing inside of you and there's just so much to say. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that anybody could kind of write a poem, but is it a poem that you want to read? All right. And there's there's just something that spills out of you, and that's how a poem gets made. You know, I, I mm-hmm. understand there's all craft and sitting down with the intention to write a poem, but there's something deep coming out there, and it's it's a lot of catharsis, and I truly believe it takes feeling very deeply to really make a poem that affects people, a poem that makes somebody late for work. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Wow. <laughs> you are incredible. <laughs> you are incredible, Mila. All right, all right. We go way back. Uh, as you think about your work, what are some of the predominant themes? Um, I'm going to have to be brutally honest here and say pain. Mm, okay. Uh, right. Kind of a... Uh, Something that I've admitted to myself is that I don't often write poetry when I'm very happy. When I'm fulfilled Mm. and everything's going right, I'm out there. I'm outside. I'm out in the creek. I'm playing with my dogs. I'm living my life. And I don't Mm. often pick up a pen. But when things are really hard and I find myself trapped inside without the will to get up or clean the house or take a shower, and I really feel like something is brewing, And that's what I mentioned earlier about heavy emotions. And they don't always have to be Mm -hmm. sad, but sometimes Mm -hmm. anger, frustration, stress, the inability to get something done, these all kind of make the perfect storm. And that's what I'm really writing. So the themes often are catharsis, pain, sadness, frustration, stress. All right. You know, so when you think (laughs) (laughs) the real stuff that we experience in life, that's what you write about, the real stuff. It's not superfluous. It's just the real stuff. So how does a poem, I want to know, how does a poem begin for you with an idea, a form, or an image? It's absolutely an image, almost exclusively an image. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Like every time I see something profound, you know, I can see it, but that doesn't mean that I've processed it. So whether it's from a memory like a memory of something profound or something in present day or on the news. It's definitely something that I've seen and I have to process it through um, writing about it and admitting what I've seen. And that's how I get poems onto the page is seeing something profound. Wow. Let's go back in time. You said that you're, you come from a family of poets. Well, what was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power that you personally learned. My My grandmother used to write poetry to me and sing songs to me when I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, I mean, she even made up songs specifically for me and made up poems specifically for me. And most of the time they were cute and they were about butterflies or airplanes or something Mm -hmm. like that. But every now and then I would hear her in another room with my mom or some of her sons or her husband, and she would be reciting her poetry. And if I caught enough of a tidbit that there was like uh, sex or alcohol or a beer or the bar or her truck, you know, I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, that's what I want. That's what I want. Mm. So it inspired me to realize that I could take all of these things inside me that, you know, I was a kid and I wasn't allowed to say any of it, but I could write it. Yes. And that was for me. Yes. Oh, wow. I enjoy listening to you. Let me ask you a question before we move into the next piece of your poetry. Your voice is so distinct. It's so clear. What is the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice? I think I think they're the same. Okay. I think that when I write, whether I'm going to speak the poem or whether I'm going to write the poem, there is the little me inside 
the little girl or maybe the teenager or maybe the 20-year-old that never felt comfortable saying something out loud. And when I started writing poetry, all of a sudden I found a community where it was acceptable to say these things out loud. And so it's me. It's me on the page and it's me out loud. And it feels so comfortable to just be able to say it finally. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're going to be my favorite poet soon, Mila. <laughs> if I can get your name right. <laughs> You're going to be my favorite poet. <laughs> Share another poem with us. I can't wait. <laughs> Mouthful of knives. I'm still trying to shed you from my skin. You're a mouthful of knives, and I'm a handful of sin. How can I get you out if you were never in? I beg my body to release you. You never kiss from my lips. Such a miserable thing to love you. Imaginary bruises on my hips. We get a little drunk and go to bed again. We bleed and bleed and bleed. Then shadow comes for us in the end. Mm. I'm going to allow that to sink in for a minute. And actually, I want you to share it again, please. Mouth full of knives. I'm still trying to shed you from my skin. You're a mouthful of knives. And I'm a handful of sin. How can I get you out if you were never in? I beg my body to release you. Your never kiss from my lips. Such a miserable thing to love you. Imaginary bruises on my hips. We get a little drunk and go to bed again. We bleed and bleed and bleed. And shadow comes for us in the end. Does it hurt you to write poetry? If not, why not? It absolutely hurts me. It Tell hurts me, me to write it. It hurts me mm-hmm. to read it out loud again. Um, mm-hmm. I probably spent the first maybe year and a half trying to go to readings and broke down crying during my reading. All right. That's okay. It's all right. Practice at home. That's I right. read a lot of my to my husband, and, you know, it's okay mm-hmm. if I cry then. <laughs> All right. I can understand that. But you're getting it out of your system. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. Because my next question was going to be, has a poem ever frightened or humbled you? One of your own. Oh, I've definitely had a poem humble me. Mm -hmm. I had a poem that took me approximately four months to write, and it kept coming in small pieces. And I would sit down and try to write more, and I knew, I knew that I was forcing it, and I would write it, and it was crap, mm-hmm. and I would erase that part that I forced, and I would wait. And a week later, something really crazy would happen that was related to all the other things that I was writing about. And I finally got that poem done, and it was, honestly, it was the best poem I've ever written. My husband said mm-hmm. the same thing. He's like, that's the best fucking poem you've ever written. <laughs> and then I sent it to one magazine, and it got picked mm-hmm. up immediately. And they were like, this is the best poem I've ever written, you've ever written. (laughs) So, yeah, it it toyed with me. It it messed with me. And it was like, you're not done yet. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so tired of this poem. And then in Mm -hmm. the end, it was incredible. So I just had to learn to be patient, I guess. (laughs) Well, would you be willing to share with us now? I'd love to hear it. Absolutely. Um, This poem is called Rattle, and it was published in the Sierra Nevada Review. I gather this eroding bone dust and pour it in front of my feet that I have a path to walk on as I've always seen blackness where the ground should be. How it all slipped away the first time the razor split my skin and the red trickled out. How something so tied to losing life could make me feel so alive. Once I got into my car and drove to work where white shirts walked around with scissors cutting words from my tongue. And when I left, there was a dead baby mouse on the passenger seat. Buckle up, I said. I had held death before. My first husband watched pay-per-view porn while it poured from between my legs in a hotel bathtub twice in one year. I could have picked names, but instead they were just blood. Goodbye, I said. Death found me here a lifetime later, told me his name and how lonely it was. But of course I knew and I held him close. I love you, I said. 
Each way in which the pain and darkness of death touched my life seemed so graceful, ink-black vultures roosting in the winter pines above my house, the dance of waiting. Last week, sun glinted off the pavement as I drove my little girl to school. There was a dead baby deer in the road, a symphony of vultures picking it apart. As my car rattled toward them, they scattered, one just above us, right above the windshield, nine-foot wingspan, gliding in a silent union with my car, bloody face, how he recognized me through the glass. Wow. That needs a moment of silence. You know, Mila, some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature. Once it's out there, there's not much you can do to correct or improve it. But others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on it? I feel that the poem is the poem, and I know that parts of it are mine, but it Mm -hmm. also belongs to itself, and it uses me to write it, and once it's out there, it's not my job to fix it. And I understand that some journals will edit your poem when they pick it up for publication and put it out there, and that's fine, because I do want other people to be able to be affected by my work, and that's important. But Mm -hmm. that first draft, you know, it's like when you give birth, you have a baby, and that's the baby. And over the lifetime, it's going to change, but it's still that same person. And that's kind of how I look at it, is that that first draft is the poem. That's the poem. And it may change or grow or shift in some journal somewhere or even in someone's mind, their perception of it. But that first draft is the poem, and I don't ever go back and change them after they're published. Mm. Your book, Between Her Teeth, what did you learn about yourself from writing that book? Who are you as a consequence of writing that book? Talk to me. What was, what was your last question that you mentioned consequence? Who are you as a consequence of your book? Oh, I am a person who has learned to let go. All right. Um, because in the process of writing this book, I actually lost a connection with a really good friend. And mm-hmm. uh, there, there are some poems in it that do, directly talk to that experience. And in a way, I almost hesitated with publishing this book because I was wounded. And then I went ahead with it anyway. So it was a huge part of a process of me growing and learning to let go. And, uh, All right. you know, thank, thank you to that person because I have learned now that you don't always get your way. So true. So, so true. So true. I was going to ask you, in your book or in your individual poems, are you having a conversation when you read or write poetry? And if so, with whom? You take one of your poems. Are you having a conversation in the poem with someone? Absolutely. Um, oftentimes I'm having a conversation with myself. Oftentimes I'm having mm-hmm. a conversation with my husband. Uh, in mm-hmm. this book, there are several poems where I'm having a conversation with the person that I lost a connection with. So they're almost always to someone special or to myself. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Now, is a poem letting your guard down or building a wall? Oh, for me, it's letting a guard down. It's always vulnerability. Okay. It's mm-hmm. always a struggle mm-hmm. to write the truth in all of its messiness and know that someone's going to read it. Lots of people might read it. And it might be embarrassing or sad or messy or screwed up. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely Mm -hmm. vulnerability. It's letting go. All right. Well, let's take a brief break and we'll be right back.
am Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with Mila Blust. Mila, your name is so beautiful. Is there a relationship between your name and your poetry? Wow. Um, I would have to say yes. I would have to say yes. So my nickname when I was a little girl was Melancholy Mm -hmm. Mila. Oh, really? And wow. Mila, okay. Mila is actually in the word melancholy. Yes, it is. And much of my work is very, very melancholy. So there's absolutely a relationship. And I've actually written about my name before as well. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what made me ask that question. <laughs> with something. <laughs> Maybe with kindred spirits, I just needed to ask that. <laughs> All right. Please share another piece of poetry. Absolutely. And when I told you that I wanted to be broken, mm-hmm. you reveled in submission, drank it with the thirst of a man whose tongue had never touched nectar. But you used your hands. You pulled my crow's wing hair. You bruised my feather quill neck. What I meant was this. Break me open. Spill this ugliness sleeping inside me. I wanted the monster out of me so badly that I was willing to risk it discovering you. (laughs) To me, as I listen to your work, it sounds like you pulled the skin off life. Wow. I love that. That's exactly... Yes, please. I mean... I've never shared that with anybody before, never said it before. I don't know. But to me, that's how it comes across, the rawness, the realness. So what I want to know, because it's so raw, so real, does writing energize or exhaust you? Mm. I would say probably both at different times. I would say Mm -hmm. that there are definitely times when I know that there is something eating me alive and I try to pretend that it's not because I have life to live and people to drive places and dinners to cook and all the mundane little things that you have to do. And deep inside, I'm like, oh, it's brewing and I have to do this. And then I sit down and I write and it is exhausting and it is mm-hmm. painful and I didn't want to be bothered by this you know, bullshit that's in there. And then there are other times when it just feels so good knowing that I can just spit it all out onto the page, and the page will hold it, and I'm tired of holding it. Wow. So sometimes that it's is so deep. <laughs> you are deep. <laughs> I'm loving this conversation. <laughs> Mila, <laughs> you're incredible, like I said. <laughs> all right, let me be quiet. Let me calm down. Let me calm down. Calm <laughs> down. I will, I will. When you think about being a poet, all right, what surprises you most? What surprises me most? I guess it surprises me most that it's actually a journey that goes somewhere and that can be continued. Because I think I thought I'm going to get published and I'm going to write a book and then I can say, there, I did that. It's like Mm -hmm. over. And when I started publishing, I found this community of supporting writers uh, who I would sit and write poems with, collaborative work. We would read each other's work, buy each other's books. Then people started calling me or writing me and asking me for more poems, asking me to write a book. And then I realized, surprisingly, that it isn't just like an end goal. It's a journey. And it Mm. keeps going. You're on fire tonight. <laughs> You're on I'm fire. On <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> so am I. So am I. <laughs> so am I. I knew I liked you. I knew I liked you. All right. All right. All great. <laughs> Let me work, Mila. Let me work. <laughs> All great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes? Mm. So a lot of people would start listing writers that they've read. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to say that probably great influences for me aren't necessarily poets or writers, but people that have influenced me. I've had a couple of teachers that influenced me. Um, One of them, honestly, it sounds so silly, but he was a physical ed teacher, but his name was Mr. King. Mm -hmm. And he always reminds us to take care of our hearts. And I don't think he knew that what he was saying was a double entendre because he meant exercise. But he always said that at the beginning of class. He said he wanted us to be reminded to always take care of our hearts. And that influenced me. And I actually went on in like seventh grade to write a poem about him saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just some heroes over the years, um, you know, my mom, my dad, mm-hmm. um, the poets in my family, my grandmother. My grandmother came from a very poor background. She lived in an orphanage as a little girl where they hit her hands with sticks if she didn't do her chores. And I mean, she was like seven. Wow. And she went on to family and write poetry, and she memorized all her poetry by heart. She knew it all. It was all inside her, and she could just tell you the poem. And if I grilled her on it, she would just say it, and it would be the same mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was amazing, and that made me want to be a writer. So I think the people that were close to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. I'm just so ready to hear another piece. (laughs) No, finish what you were sharing. Finish what you were saying. I want to hear it. The people that were closest to me because they influenced Mm -hmm. me and they made who I am. Wow. I am so glad we're together tonight, Mila. Thank you. I am as well. Genuinely. Good. I'm glad. That makes me feel good. Share another poem. Why are people drawn to the ocean, my mother asks, as she cries into the Gulf of Mexico, sending her teardrops home, a burial at sea. Earlier, we sat bone still, listening to a room of lonely people whisper my father into a graveless death, a pile of ash. And although we rarely speak of how the choice was made, I know now that we don't bury the body for the body, but for the digging. Wow. (laughs) I'm just taken aback by how powerful your work is. What I'd like you to do for me now, you've got your book in front of you, correct? I'm sure you do. I do, do, yes. I do. Read Read some of the titles of the poems that you have in your book for me. Um, this flower of guilt, Mm -hmm. dead rabbits, wild things, unfuck me, mouthful of knives, split personality, pretty girl, faith, in my mind. Wow. Here we go. What role should a title play for a poem? So what's important to consider when you're titling a poem? I believe that the title is the hook. And I think if you have a weak title, then you may not entice people to read it. And I think the title should be like screaming, hey, read this poem. All right. Give me a little bit more. I want to hear some more about that, titling a poem. So... I figured something out probably two or three years ago that one of my best ways to title a poem is to actually make it either the first word or the first sentence of the poem. And it's a strong word. So it doesn't, I don't always do it, but it, if it's a strong word or a strong sentence that screams, mm-hmm. read this poem, then it is literally just the beginning of the poem. And it flows Mm -hmm. seamlessly into the poem so that there is no interruption. There's just a desperate desire to continue reading that poem. You know, I am so glad that I asked you to continue on (laughs) because that's phenomenal the way you do that. (laughs) Wow. You know, Mila, so much is happening in our world today. The good, the bad, the ugly, you name it. My question to you is, What role should a poet play 
in modern day society? I think we tell the truth and I think that we say the ugly things or the scary things or the very real Mm -hmm. things that a lot of people Mm -hmm. are trying to avoid. Mm -hmm. And I think there has to be a balance. I think there are definitely people who cannot or should not handle the role of telling the truth or of saying what's happening. But I think that there has to be a balance and somebody has to say it. And poets, they say it. Yes. And they don't hold back. No, they don't. No, they don't. You know, your book, just listening to the titles, what you've shared, it's, as again, it's so revealing. But for you, as you think about the process of being a poet, writing your books, this is not your first book, where does your poetic doubt begin and where does it end? Poetic doubt? Yes. I think it begins when I start putting a book together. I think it begins when I realize that I have to actually do something with all of this and not just scribble it down somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it ends when someone else validates that it's amazing. Because right. I think we're our own harshest critics, and I have definitely yes. suffered from imposter syndrome at times. Mm-hmm. And then someone comes along and says, oh, my God, the world needs this. And I'm like, okay, uh, I'm starting to doubt myself less. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I understand that. I really do. I really do. When you think about writing a poem, let's imagine for a moment that a poem is like a cake, all right? What are some of the ingredients that go into this concoction we call a poem? Creativity, emotion little pieces of yourself that you're maybe hesitant to share with other people or share mm-hmm. with the world. Dedication. Loyalty, you say meditation or medication? Excuse me. Meditation or medication? Which one did you say? Dedication. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not medication. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. All right. <laughs> Okay, dedication, what else? (laughs) Just, um, you know, honing your craft, art, all the little pieces come together and you have to kind of dedicate yourself to it and and put yourself into it. You know, when you think about being a poet, you know, for many, for many, many years, only a select few could write it and get out there in the public. Now it's everywhere. How privileged is poetry? I think there is a lot of, I think there is a lot of privilege. And I think that poetry is privileged because in modern day society, we have the internet and we have the printed word mm-hmm. and we have the spoken word and we have opportunities like this, you know, to be on a, a radio show. So I right. think that poetry right. is much more privileged than it used to be. And I mm-hmm. think that it definitely has more listeners. It could use more, but it has a lot more than it used to have. Very nice, very nice. Please share another piece with us. I've barely held my head above water for so long. No one but you could understand why I giggled when we wrestled playfully in the hot tub and you held my head underwater for just a few seconds. Somehow you, too, knew that I was intimate. With drowning. One more time, please. That was too powerful to not hear twice. I've barely had my, held my head above water for so long. No one but you could understand why I giggled when we wrestled playfully in the hot tub and you held my head underwater for just a few seconds. Somehow you, too, knew that I was intimate with drowning. Wow. It sounds like you've been writing for a long time. You've shared that. I've been writing since I was seven years old. Wow, incredible. If you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Don't stop. Never stop. You'll get there. I stopped writing for a long time because I thought, what is Mm -hmm. the point in this? It's not going to do anything Mm -hmm. for me. And I didn't know how wrong I was. I didn't know that it was my gift. 
and it was my catharsis mm-hmm. and it was very special and I didn't know that it would take me places. And I stopped for about mm, seven, maybe nine years, just kind of sat on hundreds and hundreds of poems. And then suddenly wow. I guess I just decided mm-hmm. that I was going to keep writing and start publishing and it just exploded. So I would tell myself to never stop, to not give up. Do you think you were meant to be a poet? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I never had a choice. My mother's a poet. My grandmother was a poet. My uncle is a poet. It's in my blood. Oh, wow. I've actually right. jokingly called it a curse. <laughs> <laughs> why so? Tell me. Um, Tell me why so. Because I don't have a choice. And it's almost like, you know, those people that get their phones out at every moment to take a picture of whatever's happening. Yes. For me, it's writing a poem. It's I'm out and I'm kayaking and all of a sudden my brain starts making a poem or I'm at a party and there's a couple arguing and all of a sudden my brain starts making a poem and I'm like, oh, not right now. What are you know, I'm in public. (laughs) (laughs) So I never had a choice and I think that Mm -hmm. I was supposed to do this and I'm not sure why yet and I'm sure I'll figure it out. Wow. Well, we're going to take a brief break and we'll be right back. Okay. back. Again, I am Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with the wonderful Mila Blust. Now, Mila, you know, our show is not only for you to share. It's also a call-in show, and we have a caller. I'd like to bring this person on, if that's okay. Absolutely. All right. The first three numbers, 226-973, a question for Mila. Good evening. Good evening. Hello. Yes. Do you have a question for Mila? <laughs> Hello? You are you just listening, I guess. All right? All right then. That's wonderful. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Mila, please share another poem. <laughs> Faith, I lay my head down on your chest, listening to the powerful thudding of your heart. And although you passed your last physical with flying colors, to suddenly think the organ I'm hearing is responsible for the livelihood of every inch of the person that I love the most is too fragile to believe. Mm. You know, Mila, they say, that to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, artists, and poets. What do you think emerges naturally from your work? What emerges from you? I think honesty does. I think um, blatant vulnerability. The pieces of myself that it would be harder to just say to someone, it's easier to put onto a page. And definitely love desperate mm. crazy love oh, wow I like that does knowing that your poems are published and out there in the world validate we kind of used that word earlier validate your being a poet or are you content knowing that they're out of your system I think a little bit of both I think it does validate me as a poet because I wasn't ever sure that I was able to be published or good enough. Okay. All right. Um, But I am content to get them out of my system because they are in there burning all the time and they need to go somewhere. Mm. 
And I think mm-hmm. the first time, and it's happened a few times now, but the first time someone ever messaged me on social media and said, hey, I just read this poem and it affected me so deeply and I just had to tell you that it was great and that I'm really grateful for it. And that is everything I could ever want. That's better than mm-hmm. money. It's better than publication. It's it's amazing. Now, if you were a poet doing a different era, when, where would you have wanted to exist? Mm. I always told my mother growing up that I felt like I didn't belong in the era that I was born in. And I told her that I knew that I belonged in the forest. Um, I'm of strong indigenous background. I have Creek, Chickasaw, and Cherokee Native American in my blood. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to go live off of the land. And my mom said, you don't know how hard that is. And I said, Mom, I've watched you cry while balancing your checkbook. And she said, okay, touche. (laughs) (laughs) So at some point back when people were living off of the land, the way I feel we were Mm -hmm. intended to, that is Mm -hmm. when I was to exist. Oh, wow. Share another poem for us. You ask me, does the sadness still linger under the surface? when you're smiling it does when I'm smiling when I'm laughing when I'm anything at all I can only chase it away with dopamine so lift my spirit lift my skirt I will play with you pray with you fuck you and it'll be there like a counselor like a priest like a bad threesome, the most honest answer I can give is to learn to love my sadness as much as I love you and as much as I believe it loves me. Mm. You know what I like about your work? What? I guess you wouldn't know. Is <laughs> that I can understand it. So to you, how important is accessibility of meaning? My question is, should one have to work hard to solve a poem? I don't think one should have to work hard to solve a poem. Mm -hmm. And I understand that sometimes you write something and it's for yourself. Um, And I have done that. But I do think that my work happens to be very accessible. And I've actually heard that from several people, that my work is visceral and accessible, that they can relate to it, that it feels mm-hmm. like something they can soak in because they relate to it. It happens every day. It's pain, it's love, it's birth, it's death. I don't think that a poem should be a mystery. Um, and I want to be understood. I have a desperate need to be understood. So I don't want to write something and have it go out into the world and have people look at it and go, "Uh, I don't know what that means. Right. Share another poem. We're on a roll. Share another poem. On a roll. In my mind, I already know every inch of you, the smell of your skin, the taste of your mouth. You've already been inside me, explored the darkest corners of my depths. I've already had you a million times, and there still remain all the ways in which I can't actually have you. I've said everything we both want to hear, so if you're waiting for the words, don't hold your breath, and I won't hold mine. I've already told you in my mind. Now, I'm going to ask you a question that I've never asked anyone. This is the first time, but I think you can handle it. All right? (laughs) <laughs> to what extent <laughs> to what extent precisely is any poem a woman or a man's? Or those are just the two categories tonight. To what extent is any poem a woman's or a man's? Mm-hmm. I think there are definitely poets who cater to femininity. Okay, all right. And I think that that in itself might ward off the male species. They might not be interested in reading those poems. And so I think if you are writing about femininity, that poem is for a woman, is a woman, is distinctly female. 
Um, and I'm not saying that there aren't men out there that are dedicated to femininity or um, mm-hmm. women's causes or women's rights. Mm-hmm. But I do think people know that they're either writing for women or writing for men. And mm-hmm. I try to do both. I try to cover mm-hmm. both, but I, I oftentimes am actually writing for or to men. Oh, you are? Wow. Tell me more oftentimes, about that. That's fascinating. Um, well, I, I did say earlier that a lot of my conversations are actually, conversa- or a lot of my poems are actually conversations to my husband, with my husband. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or to people from my past. And oftentimes those are men. Hmm. Wow. Probably have you know, a lot I'm glad I, from. Well, I'm going to say I'm glad I asked that question. Because your answer was beautiful, was heartfelt. Wow. I may ask Thank it again sometime. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, as you think about your body of work, have your favorite poems arrived or are they still on their way? I think I definitely have written the three great poems of my lifetime, but I know mm-hmm. there will be more. Mm. Mm. Now, how many of those three great poems have you shared tonight? I, I know the one that you got published. <laughs> you shared two of them? I have shared two of them. Please share the third. The third is called Yes, Girls. In steel country, in coal country, daddy drove a truck and mama prayed. Good girls laid on our backs, we crushed our wings. We let the machete of a slick man's voice clear-cut the thicket of our wombs. We let the wet, slick cries of a hungry thing slowly drain the fire from our marrow. When we're in the throes, we're yes, girls. Pitched up counter height now in a fuck me skirt, whispering God's plan to silence tempest metastasizing in my Barbie doll heart. How many Hail Marys before the grunting stops, oil stained fingers circling where the wings used to be. Whiskey breath, the dirge of hollow childhood dreams, blood blooming down my thighs. Bruises are the new black. When we're in the throes, we're yes girls. Mm. Beautiful. Yes, girl. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, you talked about or mentioned social media earlier. Here's a question. Do the Internet and social media contribute to the well-being of poetry? I don't think they do. <laughs> you don't think so? You don't think, think so? Tell they, me more. I, I think they do contribute to the accessibility of poetry. Mm-hmm. And the community of poetry. But sometimes I think that it can actually be a downfall to poetry because Mm -hmm. people get so caught up in the mechanics of social media and they lose sight of the actual journey, like sending work out, getting work published, radio shows, interviews. And I think that a lot of people go online and they go on Facebook or they go on Instagram and they post their little poem and that's it and that's all they ever do. And I think there's so much more. And I think that it it can actually help with accessibility, but it can actual, actually also limit what mm. people do and where they to go with their journey. Wow. Very nice. You know, you talked, also talked earlier about having hundreds of poems. How many unpublished and half-finished books are inside you? I have approximately five unfinished manuscripts sitting in a folder on my laptop. Really? <laughs> oh. I have probably the next five years of book planned out. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's wonderful. We have time because we're almost out of time, almost at the end of our poetic journey. Please share one more poem. Um, let's see. Motherhood, and matted before me, an offering no one ever asks for, melding with the road, wet and wetter as my tears fall. How silent it can be even with cars rushing by, casting weariness aside for compassion, as I tenderly scoop the only days-old fawn from the pavement 
its crushed limbs dangling across my motherly arms, and I put someone's angel delicately into the soft meadow grass as though it never left. Mm. Where does this book, Between Her Teeth, fit into your career as a writer? I think it was the logical next step of getting more honest, getting more down to the brass tacks, as they say, mm-hmm. and really honing mm-hmm. my voice and being able to say exactly what I mean and not dance around the subject. All right. What piece of advice would you give to your readers? And I'm sure there are going to be millions of them. What piece of advice would you give them? <laughs> Um, just if have a dream, go for it. Don't think that it's not worth it. Don't think that you can't do it because if you believe and you try hard enough, you can absolutely get there. All right. Where can listeners find your work, Mila? Um, if you look on Amazon under Mila Bluth, you can find a lot of my work. Or if you look at www.milabluth.com, there's a collection of my published writings as well as my book. Very nice. How can listeners stay in touch? Um, I tweet at Mila Bluth, literally just at Mila Bluth is my Twitter, and you can message me on there, or you can message me on Facebook, Mila Bluth. Very accessible, very Googleable, as my daughter says. <laughs> All right. You talked about these five books, so what is in the works for you next? Where do you go from here? I am currently finishing up a project that is all about sex. Mm. Tell me more. I have written an entire collection dedicated to desire, lust, sex, unfaithfulness, all the things people tend to shy away from. I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw them all in a book. Wow. Uh, Is it poetry? It is poetry, yep. Wow. I'm going to invite you back. I'll invite (laughs) you back. (laughs) We can talk about it on the air. I'd like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're wonderful. <laughs> We're almost at the end. Do you have one more poem in you? I want to hear one more. I got to hear one more. Do you have one more in you? <laughs> I can read one more. On darkness, what can define it or does it define you? You decide. Stars decide where to shine, when to die. They know the time. You may call it yours, even as it owns you, because it does own you. But deny it. Spend a lifetime longing for something you cannot even describe. Know this. If darkness is inside you, and it is, you don't have to let it win. But lie in it. Name it. Wow. Mila, I enjoyed yes. being with you this evening more than you ever know. And a pleasure. You, yes, um, I want to see your name in lights because you have <laughs> a story to tell. And you used the word earlier, visceral, and that's exactly what it is. I can feel it. It's almost as if I was there in some of your poems, many of your poems. So I want to thank you for sharing your gift with us. And I'd like, as I said earlier, just a few minutes ago, a couple of seconds ago, I want you to come back as many times as you want to. <laughs> you know, you'll be on my permanent guest list. <laughs> I, would love that. I would love to thank you, and I would also love to thank Todd Cirillo, Matt Amat, and Julie Valin from Six Foot Twelve Press for my new book. And again, it was an honor and a pleasure. I loved being here. Thank you so much. Oh, you're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. Well, everyone, we've made it through another one. Now it's time to continue our life's journey wherever that is. And as I share with you every week, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Good night, everybody. Good night, Mila. Good night. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.